and welcome everyone to Rock M Radio uh, video casts, I guess, and podcasts. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Hello, I am your host, Sam Snelling. You can see right here, uh, Sam Snelling with me uh, to, uh, well, I see him on the right. He may be on your left. I don't even know. Uh, Matt Harris. Matt. Apple. Um, I, I, yeah, you were pointing to the right spot. Yeah. And you can see like our Twitter handles and everything. So we are, uh, we're, we're, we're like set. We're good to go. Um, it is still portal season, Matt. How are you feeling? 40. We've cleared 40 names on the board. Um, yeah, it's, it, I thought maybe last week it might slow down a little bit. If only because that's usually when the biggest glut of names come into the portal. And then we start to see it begin to ebb down. And it's not. it. If, if you want to go have fun with Bart Torvik and play with any parameters you want for a roster position, you'll find it. It is it is a buyer's market right now uh, in the transfer portal. Like Harrison Ingram went into the transfer portal today. A former five-star. We're all like, oh. Okay. It, cool. Yeah, but like the the number of like former like McDonald's and like Jaden Bradley uh, from yeah, Alabama. I got, got Jaden Bradley wearing it like noon today. It's it, it, it's bonkers. It like and and that's a guy who who played significant minutes. Yeah, he was not uh, starred last year. He was not starred for a role or or time. Where's everybody going? <laughs> I do think that I saw there's an AAU director in Texas that I follow that, that you know, made this point, you know, who's a, who you have around you and advising you right now is probably more important than anything because at some point the carousel's going to stop and there are going to be some guys who maybe don't wind up, you know, getting the kind of ride they thought they were going to get out of this. I, I don't know how much of it is, you know, guys feeling... You know, the, it's NIL related. You know, I don't know how much of it is. You know, we had a lot of guys who went through recruitments or part of it was in COVID and, you know, they maybe didn't get the same sort of typical recruiting cycle that we've seen. Or if it's just now roster construction has fully shifted towards, you know, your freshman year, you know, uh, you know, Jaden Bradley notwithstanding, is a de facto redshirt year. You know, I think you can, you know, look at Aiden Shaw, you know, not as a prime case that Aiden's year was a typical year for a freshman in his range of the recruiting rankings in, you know, the last five years, it's considered typical. And he only played 23% of minutes. So I think the the difference now is if you are even a highly touted guy and you're coming into a roster, you may have to spend that first year effectively as a reserve. Or, you know, and really excel in order to have a prime slot there. It's I, I, because you can go into the portal now and like just scoop out a handful of 35 plus percent shooters on high volume. If you need a floor space, you can find one. If you need an experienced combo guard, like Tyler Perry went in today, like you need an experienced combo guard, you need a scoring point. Max Aismas went in yesterday. Like the level of high end productive talent that's gone into the portal is just bonkers. It's absolutely insane. 
what well and and honestly like that's a it, it is sort of one of those things where you know and as we get i think back into the more regular cycles and more uh you know i think where guys are progressing a little bit more linear like maybe they were in the past you know before covid because i still think the covid interruption uh you know did a lot for uh you know stunning some growth of guys and so you you maybe you know we're doing a lot of guesswork where maybe you weren't quite, quite doing as much a few years ago but it is one of those things where i start to almost wonder like if you're say like you know, 135th in, in the top 150. So you're, you're yeah. a good, like bottom end of a four star and, and like coming out of, uh, you know, your, your junior year, you have all kinds of high major offers. You need like, to commit right now. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, like, do you like, wouldn't it maybe be more prudent to like, look at some mid mid major pluses where you're going to be able to go. You're going to be able to play right away. You're going to, you know, probably be an impact guy right away. And, and then like after a year or two of doing that, like then your, your options for where you go, uh, you know, as a, as you know, a sophomore or a junior are a lot higher and a lot bigger. There, I think there's some merit to it, you know, in, in certain situations, you know, particularly if you feel like you've, you know, been with you know, those staffs longer in your recruitment, you know, I think this is about the time, you know, we're starting to see like warm up events on the grassroots circuit, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure, you know, in the next couple, in the next two weeks, we're going to start reading about stock risers in the spring. And you're going to read about high majors coming in and getting in on guys. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, that's not too risky of behavior. You can, you, know, you still have time to commit. Most guys are still committing like in July or August or September, but you know, if you feel like high majors are now only going to take two to three guys in slots every year, you know, do you want to wait around and try and play the roulette of, am I going to be able to get one of these two, three slots here? Or do I have, you know, a good mountain West program, a good a 10 program, a really good AAC program that I can get into. And like you're saying, so I think that, that, that's the balance that we're going to see. But I think the other thing, that we're going to eventually see is, you know, if you look at the three freshmen that Missouri's bringing and all those guys around 100th in the composite, we like them. We like their high upside for all of them. But you look at the way that Missouri is going about its roster construction and its portal efforts. I like all those guys, you know, from a developmental perspective, but man, if Missouri does what it wants to do and it's aspiring to do, it's hard to see a lot of minutes for those guys in yeah. year one. So you better be on board with the developmental plan because, you know, see why Cosmo Peters, you know, digging up. Those guys can go into the portal and tell Dennis, I've got a 21, 22-year-old kid with three years of solid production that we can bring in right now and fill this need for us. So you better be comfortable in some situations with, you're going to take a de facto red shirt. You're, you better believe in the staff's developmental plan and in the structure and in just the entire environment you're going to be in because you may not see a lot of minutes early right. on. I, I think that's, it's going to come down to, I think a lot, you know, the compromises you might've made in terms of personality, personality fit or, you know, other areas of your recruitment, I think now go out the window because you're not just going to be able to default to, well, at least I'm going to be able to bowl. That, that's gone and out the window now. You better like the entire environment and the entire package. So 
the question I have is that going to lead some guys, you know, like in 75 or 125 of the composite to start committing, you know, in May and June, they're going to say, I like my spot. I want to get on my offer. I want to make sure I've locked in my spot and, you know, just get this done with and focus on, you know, the rest of my summer and my senior year. So that, I think that's going to be fascinating to see what the trickle down is. That's not what people hear. They're here to, but they want to hear portal stuff. <laughs> well, right. But I think, I, you know, I think that is sort of like the domino effect of the portal and the portal, you know, like we were kind of mentioning just a few of the big names, um, you know, like since last we, we talked, uh, so for anybody watching or listening to this, I would recommend, uh, heading over to the rockfoundation.com, uh, main page, you'll find the transfer tracker. Uh, I, we're updating that, you know, sometimes two, three times a day with, you know, new updates on guys that are being contacted, uh, potential visits that are coming and, uh, and, and trying to kind of give people an idea of, you know, like I think I updated today when, when Tyler Perry hit, um, and for the people listening, it's Tyler Perry, just so you know, uh, North Texas point guard, a really good player and a really popular player going to be in the portal. Um, a lot of people seem to expect he's probably going to follow, uh, you know, Grant McCaslin, who took the job at Texas Tech. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. I, if you're Tyler Perry, though, you probably want to make sure you're you're at least listening to a few other place, uh, places. Yeah. He is uh, a native of Oklahoma. Um, it is kind of like close to the Arkansas-Oklahoma border, so yeah. like a lot of schools in that area are probably going to try to get in. Um, I still that like, you know, but that's one of the things that are, that are in all those update, uh, updates on the transfer tracker is the fact that, you know, we think that he's probably, even though Missouri has been in contact, we think this guy is probably destined to, to end up at Lubbock. Yeah. The, I mean, at this point, the real goal is to figure out, you know, which of 40 names has any validity to it. And realistically right now, there's probably just five to six names that I think most people are probably going to focus on the other ones, you know, it's, you know, one, you know, report that, Hey, Missouri reached out and contacted them, but they're probably really only five to six names on the board at this point. We tried to provide some salient updates on where those guys are, but it's, it's still a volume business right now. The board is not shrinking. We, we, we are waiting for the board to shrink and it is just growing. It just keeps getting Bigger for every name that comes off, probably two or three come on at this point. It, it feels that way. Yeah. And we've had, you know, uh, so Missouri added, you know, John uh, Tanjay a week ago. Um, that was a week ago. And since then, like, I feel like there's only been like two or three other commitments within the SEC. Uh, Arkansas got, uh, can you admit it to the old, uh, Menafield? Menafield. Yeah. Menafield. Uh, yeah. From Washington. Yeah. Um, uh, Jaden, uh, Jamin Brakefield decided to stay at Ole Miss. Uh, Talon Cooper, uh, a solid point guard, is going to go back home. He's from South Carolina. He's going to return from Minnesota to play for Lamont Perry. And then uh, I think Tanjay is the only other one I've seen right now. Did Flor- maybe Florida got a transfer? I think. Well, so. uh, S- South Car- Well, Florida got the the kid from Yale. Yeah, got the uh, EJ Jarvis, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and South Carolina did take another uh, player from the Citadel. Just. Robin that raiding little brother, <laughs> Robin that fake military academy, Robin it. Um, so there's there's activity, 
you know, going on. I, I think the you know, Missouri. Well, let's let's uh, yeah. most recent update uh, that we got at least today. So they did reach out to Tyler Perry. They also reached out to a Division two transfer, uh, a kid who I wouldn't sleep on on this as a as a potential impact transfer. Six uh, nine, shoots the ball really well. Um, Jonathan Pierre uh, from Nova Southeastern and yep. Davie, Florida, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely a guy who uh, I mean I don't necessarily think that that's something that Missouri is going to end up with uh, this kid, but you know they 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 did reach out. So did like Duke and <laughs> like, yeah, all kinds of uh, top level schools. Uh, and then Marshall transfer Micah Henlogton. I don't even know if you say that right. I'm not even try. I think it's yeah, hand, hand log ten. Hand log ten. Hand is how how it's spelled. But anyway, yeah. he's a Marshall transfer, seven foot one kid, uh, big time rim finisher, uh, nice prospect. Uh, he's sort of named a top eight. Uh, he's visiting Florida this weekend. You kind of mentioned that maybe NC State might be. Uh, a, a top destination for him there in the top eight. Missouri is also in the top eight. Um, the fact that Missouri was in the top eight for this kid makes me wonder if they're maybe looking at more than adding more than one big man if if they can. I mean the the, the roster math until now has been pretty straightforward. You know they've had five guys out, five guys in, and. Yeah. If you assume, if we work under the knowledge or the, you know, thinking that Kobe Bryant and Isaiah Mosley will be back, Missouri um, is probably right up against the scholarship limit. That's also fungible if you think about more Bajak is going to not be a scholarship player next year. But regardless, if you bring back the vets you want to bring back, the whole cast, whole kit caboodle, you're at 13. Um... Or you're close to the scholarship limit, you may have to go over to add one big. If you're going to do two bigs, you may have to move somebody else out, right? Find a, or somebody may have to not go on scholarship. So the thinking, uh, you know, had been two bigs, at least was my understanding, you know, was that the, two bigs is the minimum. You know, they went and they got a prep big. Portal big made sense, you know. There we've seen Jamarian Sharp, we've seen Kadeen Shedrick, um, Mike Hanligan today. Uh, they uh, they're going to host Fardaz Amick, the Texas Tech transfer this weekend. Um, they've reached out to a whole lot of bigs in the portal now over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so the question where they reached out to um, Peyton Sparks was another guy they reached out to. He committed to Indiana. Yeah, he's off the board. Um, Kalel Ware they've reached out to they've reached out uh, to Issa Mustafa a whole bunch of that's, I think that's pretty much the guys who are left on the board right now but point being if they wanted to take two bigs Ian okay, Eddie Lampkin uh, went to Colorado committed, yeah he was committed to Colorado and your boy Isaac Isaac Trout Isaac Trout going back home to Creighton that which is only perfect for them so just looking at the board and looking at kind of the way the roster math works, if they're going to take two bigs and another guard, creativity with accounting is going to be required. Right. 
um, to make this work. And like, other... it it is possible. And it, you know, again, like the, a lot of this kind of comes back to the, like the the Kobe Brown situation. Um, you know, like the the new CBA does allow for a few more uh, two way spots, which I think would be a good fit for a guy like Kobe. You're talking kind of like that late second round. And then you're wondering, like, you know, if if he is going to be a guy where he's he's going to come back, if he's not coming back from the likelihood that uh, you're going to keep Caleb around is probably not great either. But if Kobe's back, you probably pick Caleb. Yeah. Right. Kobe, Bryant, Kobe Bryant has worked two scholarship slots. That, that it, that's the way to put it. Yeah. So if you're, like, if you're looking at it from, like, that aspect, like, it is still possible that this, you know, draws out enough to where Kobe makes a decision that he's not going to return. Uh, if that's the case, then maybe you do have uh, a, a, enough room to have kind of like two bigs. I think the idea right now is that they definitely want to add a scoring guard. Um, I'm scoring guard about big, last week. Scoring guard and a big, I think. Or, yeah, or definitely. Um, we talked about Caleb Love uh, last week without you. Uh, with the other Matt, um, uh, it, he had, I think the news had just come out that he was in the portal. There was yeah. early rumblings at Missouri or he, but, uh, yeah, it was officially in the portal or whatever. Uh, but you know, Missouri was a school that was basically looking like they were going to be in the mix for that. And now, uh, at least the most recent Intel seems to be that the only other school that's really in consideration at this point is Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so it is a duel of the block M's. Um, and Michigan is in a little bit of some dire straits here because they've lost. Uh, so Kobe Bufkin uh, is out of the NBA. He's one of the draft. Uh, Hunter Dickinson went into the transfer portal. Uh, Jet Howard, arguably their, yeah, arguably you know their top three players. Yep. It, but you know what that means? Opportunity it means opportunity in minutes and touches, and you know. Maybe not a lot of wins, but yeah, minutes and touches are. You know, I, I think the thought process right now is that it's going to take a late push, you know, for this not to be, you know, Missouri. Um, when and how that transpires, you know, I don't think anybody, I certainly don't know, but, you know, I think we've heard enough collectively that makes us think that, you know, Missouri's in an advantageous position right now when they decide to stop, you know, when, you know, the Love family decides that it wants to make a decision unclear, but, you know, I, I would feel pretty surprised if they're not, you know, in the lead position right now. Um, but, you know, to me, the, the real question is when are they going to get a big, <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to try and, you know, somebody needs to rebound the ball. Yeah. Yeah. All these guards are great. Buckets are good, but rebounds. <laughs> rebounds. You need them. You need those two. Um, the the pickup of love, if that transpires, when that transpires, uh, I, I think is obviously going to get a lot of attention. You wrote about it this weekend. You know, about this might be an opportunity for him schematically to be in a better position at Missouri. I think this. I do agree that the system fit is probably a little better th with this staff. That's not, you know, and that's just 
purely a basketball perspective. That has nothing to do with Collins' personality or coaching style. It's just what they run every time down the floor might fit him a little bit better um, from having watched him at UNC. Yeah, because what what they were doing at, at UNC was a lot of stuff that that you know Conzo and his crew were doing the last couple yeah. of years at Missouri. So there there wasn't a huge difference between like what he was going to do at North Carolina. At least once Hubert Davis took over yeah. from Roy Williams. Yeah, once 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 the Carolina break was shelved, which Hubert had to do in order to retain some of that talent, you know, play more four out. You know, I think. The biggest loss for them was probably Brady Manick because he was a reliable floor spacing four that you could pull out into space, put him in a corner, and it really made the reads easy for those guards. They had wider gaps to drive. You know, Baycott wasn't facing hard double teams a lot. That went away this year. If you watch them, even if R.J. Davis and even if Caleb Love or Seth Trimble make the right read, Pete Nanch was putting up like 0.72 points per possession on spot-ups. Leaky Black wasn't shooting the ball very well. You know, it just made everything compressed and shrunk the floor. You know, I don't think the structure of their offense necessarily fit either RJ or Caleb. You know, I I think RJ was their nominal, nominal initiator for them. It would bring the ball up, would start a lot of their sets would be the guy that would sort of get things going. Caleb was sort of that second side guy where if the action flowed and you didn't get anything off that primary, either one post hit to Baycott or off that initial ball screen, you know, usually a step-up ball screen for RJ, you know, then you'd start running second side stuff, and that's when Caleb would get it. And so you'd get him on a lot of ball screens that are slot handoff, zoom action, but compressed spacing when he's turning that corner that middle gap is shrunk it's compressed you know we can talk about the rim finishing and the floaters um and just about his finishing in general you know i think some of that and shot selection will ultimately come back to him i don't think you can ever discount that but i think people who say that you know one caleb is a gunner that's not true he doesn't initiate offense for unc he's frequently like i said the second side guy there are long stretches where he doesn't touch the ball for UNC. Long stretches where he would not get touches. And you know, then there'd be a run where he'd get three or four, and you almost kind of felt like he was making up for lost time. The other issue I think, too, here is I, I just don't think the UNC offense was a f- one where you were necessarily having the guards flow and play off each other a lot. You watch how Missouri plays. I think there's a lot more early ball movement the guards particularly, like, even if Missouri's getting into some of its Princeton stuff, which we all think is, you know, pretty slow and old school, that ball's moving. It's touching a lot of hands. Guys are involved. I just think that changes, you know, this sounds such a feeling, the psychology of which guys play with. So I think that that could help, you know, Caleb, if he's getting here, he's playing and stuff where he's involved, where he's moving, he's cutting, he's spacing, he's able to sort of be active, and then he's making reads out of that. I think, you know, it could be beneficial for him. So there, there's a way I think this works if that's what he wants. And I think the nice thing, the last point I'll make here before I, you know, we stop getting wonky is Nick Honor comes down and usually enters the ball to the pinch post. He enters it to, you know, a guy out front for a delay series, or they just run a five out ball screen. Like they keep it really simple. There's not a lot of setup to it. The ball's usually coming out of Nick's hands pretty quickly and it's getting into action. I think that that's 
a big deal. Things get moving, people get moving. I think that that's going to really help Caleb in that sort of situation, put him in spots where I think he's going to be able to, you know, find advantages, create advantages, and play out of stuff a little easier potentially. So that would just be sort of my view of him. Yeah, I mean, like I said in you know my post on on Sunday, uh, you know, I've long been a believer in Caleb Loeb's talent. Uh, yeah, I remember watching him. I believe it was his sophomore year when CBC played, you know, Webster Groves and Courtney Ramey. Uh, you know, Kaza Martin was, I believe Kaza Martin was at that game. He was in the building for that one. And I was at, uh, and, and CB, CBC, so that was Courtney Ramey's senior year. They won state and like CBC gave them all they could handle. And a lot of that was because Caleb Love was, was just awesome. Uh, so to go toe to toe with a guy that was two years older, a uh, little bit more advanced, not just, you know, physically, but also, uh, you know, from a skill level standpoint, um, I just immediately was like, I like this guy is way underranked. And, uh, <laughs> I do think that he got to the point, you know, because he did have a strong, uh, year after his, his junior year where, uh, you know, he was, you know, playing really well. And I think he got a little overranked. Um, I think he finished in the top 10, top 15, he was number top, top 15. Yeah. It seems, it seemed a little bit high. Um, you know, like I top 25. Yeah. Top 30. Absolutely. But I think like you, you kind of made the point, like he, his, his production and his growth once he hit UNC seemed a lot more like, like a top 50 guy versus like a top 10 or 15 guy. And I think there's, there's a lot to that was yeah. maybe the expectations that he had coming into North Carolina were a little too high. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it's difficult stepping in, uh, to that kind of situation where, Really, like, I think a lot of people expected him to kind of come in and run the team. Um, and he was never really, like, that point guard. And so, like, you know, eventually the, those responsibilities got turned over to R.J. Davis. That's what actually spurred their run a year ago yeah. uh, was when they are just like, look, yeah, like, R.J.'s going to be our primary point guard. Caleb, we're moving you off the ball. Uh, and that, you know, like, that one of the things that that does is it does allow him a little bit more, you know, freedom offensively which can be a detriment for a guy who is maybe a little too willing to take tough shots. Um, you know, <laughs> like I think we were kind of joking in our chat the other uh, day about, you know, a team of, you know, uh, Isaiah Mosley, Caleb Love, and, and too bad, you know, Dree Golston uh, had expired eligibility. But, you know, like the, the trio of those guys and the difficulty of, you know, level of shots that they would be taking, uh, would 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 allow Jimmy Dykes to you know talk about those 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 tough shot makers that they are, um, but I think I, I I think like overall what you do is you do see levels of growth within Caleb's game. You do see that his turnover rate has come down. Turnover rate's uh, you know you do see that his two point field goal percentage, his rim finishing percentage is has gone up. It's still not where you want it, but it it has improved. Uh, and I think that there's just things that you can do with him uh, offensively. There's things that you can do, uh, you know, working with him around the rim. And, and and like one of the things that we were talking about off air is like, I really think like he does not shoot enough free throws nope. for being the kind of player that he is and being the kind of attacking player that he is. And I think too often he kind of settles for, you know, those, those runners, those, you know, like short kind of pull-ups, um, 
you know, when what he really should do is is try to take it into like you know a shot blocker and and try to get to the foul line a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and I think if if you can kind of make that switch, and then get his three point shooting back to kind of where it was when he was a sophomore, then I think you have a guy who can you know really be like an all SEC performer. It really is when you watch him when he's at his best, everything gets stripped back. It's catch maybe one pause, maybe one reset dribble, and then he goes. He's so good in that first half step at creating separation and burst from guys. And, you know, you just want to see that, you know, go straight to the rim, body chest of a, of a rim finisher, of a rim protector, draw that contact, make the official make a decision. You know, I think he really, there were games where I thought he made great decisions, really good reads as a ball handler. And then guys aren't converting. Like how much of, you know, if, you know, he's got guys that are not shooting, you know, I'm looking at North Carolina here. And North Carolina shot 31.2% from three. It was 322 nationally in three-point percentage. What does he do if he's even got average floor spacers around? What does the assist rate look like at that point? There's a good player here. It's just a question of, you know, I think when I watch games and I take notes, you know, watching him, Really, the difference is it comes down to two or three, you know, shot decisions, and two or three guys converting shots for him. It it really is, you know, if you do that, if you flip some of that, he goes from a guy who's, you know, probably a seventy fifth percentile player. You know, not elite, but he's a really good, really really good player, really good creator, advantage creator, can score for you. The question is, you know, are you going to simplify some things? Are you going to simplify what you do off? kicks and catch rip and go are you going to simplify the rim finishing are you going to prune out some you know 26 foot threes you know in ball screens just are you going to trim off some of that excess and really get back to that if you do that i think you've got a really really good player and the nice thing about him is if you put him alongside a guy like you know mosley the contrast in how they play and how they create shots is so different you know, Caleb is, you know, pure speed to power, can can get into gaps, can burst, straight line drive. He can get in there, he can create things. Mostly shifty. He plays off rhythm. He plays off beat, really sets guys up, understands how to get to his counters. The balance of that really makes things hard for you out of a switching system if everybody's switching everything now. And the nice part is, if you even want to space Nick Honor off the ball, he's great with that. He's fine spotting up in that you know slot on the on the two side, and you just want to have guards screen and play off each other. Those two have such a different contrast in styles. I think you could really have some fun with that. It's just can you get things stripped down, simplified for Caleb, and can you get you know consistent you know presence from Isaiah Mosley? But there's some really fun stuff that can happen within the structure of this offense if you get what people think you can get out of those two. Well, and I also, like, I, I think I even pointed this out in my piece. I, at this point, only sort of remember. Um, you know, but if Kobe Brown does come back and you have essentially, like, three guys that you can, you know, look for the walls late in clock to make a play. And the thing, like, like making a play is not like like I think for for Mosley that's most likely going to be kind of getting a shot. I, I do think his passing is underrated, um, you know. But you have three guys who are pretty good at reading defenses and making the right 
pass and getting the ball of an open player like that there's there's a lot to be said for for having complementary pieces um you know and and despite all the talent that was at North Carolina last year I just don't think those guys complemented each other and yeah like you you mentioned Brady Manic I think like not having that guy you know in the lineup just completely changed the dynamics of that team uh whereas I I think what you have is you know depending on maybe who they get as as you know their post player but if you have Noah Carter in there you have a guy who can space out and hit threes if you have Nick Honor you have a guy that can space out and hit threes uh you know like Tanjay is a guy who can space out and hit threes um you know, so you you have automatically built into this roster like the ability to space the ball, uh, you know, keep the the defense honest and and allow those you know those driving lanes to kind of uh, you know open up for for a guy who has shown he can get there. Yeah, it. I think that's the one thing. If you watch Tanjay too, that guy plays within himself. You know, I think he's he's a guy who understands what he has to do. You know, as a ball mover you know, in those handoffs, where he needs to be, keeping the offense on time, keeping it in rhythm. He can, you know, you can put him out there and he'll he'll just, he's content lifting and drifting and getting into spots and playing off a guy. And the nice thing I like about Tanjay is Isaiah Stevens is a guy, if you, when you watch Colorado State, they play in an offense. We mentioned, you know, after he committed, it's very similar to Missouri. But Stevens will sometimes just break plays off. He's great at reading the floor, reading positioning of guys and going, I know we're supposed to reverse this out and maybe get into some zoom action on the two side, but nah, nah. Guy's leveraged here. I've got to, you know, he's stunting in too far in the gap. I can hit that and go. Tanjay's used to playing with a guy who will riff a little bit within the structure of a Princeton-style, shuffle-style offense. I think that's really, really valuable because he'll understand, you know, even the ball's not coming to him. Oh, my, my, my creator's going to do that right now. I need to get somewhere. I need to get available. I need to get shot ready. I think there's value in that. So again, we don't know when still, you know, there's always the possibility that it doesn't happen, but indications look solid right now, but the flexibility that this team could have goes up immensely. If, if you've got that kind of mix of components in there, now they just need a big to go get rebounds. So so somebody, somebody to rebound, please. Somebody to rebound the basketball. Well, let's let's talk about that because uh, Texas Tech transfer fought Oz Imac, uh, I Imac. I don't even know how to say his last name. Um, we've always just referred to him as Fardoz because I think Fardoz is like a rad first name. Um, but uh, so he was at Utah Valley. And was putting up double doubles there, uh, and then transferred to Texas Tech and had some some injuries, uh, but they came back and was really like what when he was healthy, he was a good player for them, and and they won four games in a row right at a time where he was back in the lineup and and healthy. I think uh, he's a big dude. He's like six eleven and you know two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, he rebounds the ball, um, and he can he can score around the basket. So like. He's not really like the super skilled guy that's, um, you know, I think I ideally, uh, you know, this staff would be able to or somebody, somebody like that. But uh, he is a guy that will finish around the rim. And, yep. and, and Matt, he, he can rebound. Yeah, I, I think that that's, if you watch all the bigs that they are pursuing in the portal, 
uh, skilled is not how you would describe. It. They are play finishers, and that's and look that that's not a criticism. That's a, just a descriptor of what these guys do. They are really good at you know understanding where to be in the dunker spot for for drop offs. Most of them are pretty good rollers and understand how to make themselves available there. They understand how to rim run, and they're going to get on the glass. You know, they know, you know, Fardaz was a guy who was probably the highest usage of any of those bigs at around 28% or 25% last year and 29% in um, Utah Valley. But, you know, Kadeen Shedrick, Jamarian Sharp, you know, Micah Hegel, and uh, <laughs> none of those guys were like heavy usage. You didn't get them the ball and say, hey, you go do something even in the low block with it. They're, they're play finishers. Um, I promise if these guys sign that we'll actually we'll we'll, we'll make sure we pronounce their names. We'll correctly. get them right. We will absolutely get them right because we're obligated to. Um, but yeah, the difference here is can they find a big that's mobile enough? Because Missouri's shown that it's going to switch a little bit, or at least guys that can be comfortable in drop coverage. Guys who understand how to play with verticality, understand angles inside, direct room, and there's guys that can go get rebounds. Like that's what this team needs. You know, a lot of what Missouri's rim finishing issues were defensively last year because they gave up a lot of second possessions. They gave up a lot of putback opportunities. If you strip putbacks out of their, you know, at-rim defense, Missouri was average, like not great, middle of the pack nationally, but far better than what they were. A lot of their issues were they could not secure rebounds. They were giving up six to seven putback attempts per game. That's, you just can't do that. That's 1.2, 1.3 points per possession. That's 12, 13 points a game given up. After you've done the work of getting a stop, it securing rebounds, the ability of this group, you know, I think to be able to play positionally, you know, with a little bit of size around the rim and understand how they need to do that. This team, I think, struggled at times understanding, you know, denying post position, when to front, how to front. Like just that kind of stuff could clean up some of the issues we see. You know, they still got to be better on the ball. There's still some perimeter stuff, but. Just having a guy who can do those basics, who's solid at that, you know, and exceptional on the glass, no less, is really, I think, going to help. So, Fardos can give them that if he's healthy, if the foot is in good shape, and he's bought in, committed. There were off floor issues at Texas A, at Texas Tech too. You know, he went into the portal mid year. Whispers that he wasn't happy with his NIL situation there. Not happy with Mark Adams. That turned out to be foreshadowing, principally. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Maybe not in the wrong on that one. But are you going to get a guy here who's going to be healthy, focused, ready to go? If you're getting the guy you got at Utah Valley, biggest, you may, the biggest solved. You're going to play him 28 to 29 minutes a night. You're going to throw Noah and, you know, Jordan Butler in there for the rest of it. You wouldn't need a second big if you get a guy like Fardos. You, you've got your starter guy you can keep on the floor for long stretches, who's shown he can play 75% of minutes, 85% of minutes at Utah Valley. You know, if you got a guy who can do that here, I think you will have solved the two biggest problems, the two biggest concerns with this team in this roster right now. You may not need a second big if you can get a guy like Bardos. So uh, I think the other name that a lot of people probably want to at least hear us mention would be, you know, Jamarian Sharp. Um, you know, Sharp... Now that he's in the portal, uh, all signs point to him not returning. And uh, <laughs> at least um, 
you know, pulling the rope and dope on, on Mizzou like he did last year and going back to Western Kentucky, uh, all signs are saying at this point that he's he's gone. Um, now, whether that's to Missouri is, is in question. Um, Matt, you watched a lot of tape on Jamari and Sharp. Uh, you came away a little unimpressed with uh, some things that Western Kentucky does. Unimpressed, like, with the environment. And like the way Western Kentucky plays, there's a lot of talent on Western Kentucky's roster. I would argue, I, and I think you could probably argue that most talented roster in in the CUSA, most yeah. raw talent on that roster, maybe even more talented than Missouri. Maybe, maybe but just not. Like it's the little things, like poor footwork on screens, not using, you know, ball screens appropriately, you know, just late rotations, not, you know, communicating ball screen coverages. Not just not great lob passes to a seven foot five dude. Nobody can throw a lob pass to save their life, but yet they attempt five of them a game to his like, seven five moves well, jumps well, and they couldn't get on the ball. Yeah. Just not even in like his catch radius is massive, and they're not even getting any of the catch radius for him. It's so I think that environment matters. I think you know Stans always has had a rep as a player getter more so than a schematic whiz. You know, writing talent. You know, I don't think he in the games I watched did anything to dissuade me from having that opinion of him. The question is, you know, how developed are you getting in the final product of Jamarian? You know, I think he's. Obviously, the fluidity's there. He's comfortable in space. He can move pretty well. Um, the question that I sort of have is, you know, he's 7'5". His frame hasn't changed a lot. He's still pretty light in his base. If you watch him against, like, some better bigs, even in the CUSA, if they get position, like, on him, and they get that early touch, they can move him. And his length is kind of negated because they can just shove him under the rim. Um, if you are good enough at understanding how to use the rim as a shield. You can get him off a of bounce and you can get to the rim and finish it there. Um, sometimes you can, you know, get him caught out and drop coverage a little bit. He'll encroach a little bit and he'll give a snake and it's game over. Or he'll, you know, sometimes guys will get him if you reject the ball screen. Like he will assume most guys are going to use. He'll set up and drop. The guy rejects and just blows right by him. Um, Offensively, you know, I think the frustrating thing for him has to be, you know, I don't even know why he even rolled into post-ups and duck-ins because nobody would even look at him. Like, nobody would even think to, like, reward the big for setting the screen, rolling and ducking. Um, Struggled a little bit in post-ups. I don't know if he's necessarily, you know, at least even against guys who are strong bigs, like Uzmain of uh, North Texas, Golden of, you know, Florida Atlantic. Those kind of bigs, UAB's got some really, really sturdy bigs. Didn't move them a lot, you know, and I think you can bump him. You can He's a, heavily reliant on his hook shot. If you just if you get him one step up off the block or up the lane, those become short arm pulling the string hook shots. So he's great at rim finishing. If you lob it to him and you put it on the rim, he'll go get it. If you can find him ducking in, he's pretty good. He can get on the glass occasionally, but... The question here is going to be, do you feel like the strength and sort of durability and sort of is going to be able to translate up? But there's no doubt that, you know, 
if he gets on a guy's hip as a driver, he can block a shot. He can rotate over and block shots. He can, you know, trail block. He's If you don't do your work early and you don't have the position, it's game over. He's just going to play vertical and straight up, and you're not going to finish. So there's stuff there. It's just can you get the weight and the strength where it needs to be? And is just being in an environment like Missouri going to naturally extract more out of him because there's going to be more structure, more accountability, better stuff day to day, everything like that. So <laughs> better everything. But, you know, there's there's a, always that, you know, the tantalizing potential there, but there's always the downside risk of that. Whereas like a Kadeen Shedrick, who you've seen, you know Tony Bennett's going to coach defense. You know he's going to coach fundamentals. You know his guys are going to understand what scheme they're in, what scout they're in. That I like I I love that dude as a as a potential addition. I would I would take him over any other big in the in the portal. Like I just love his athleticism. I love I feel like he can make all the same blocks and rebounds that you can get from Sharp. Uh I, he's got a little more polish offensively. Yeah. He can stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah. I, I like him it, it, really, if you put that dude in this Missouri offense with Caleb Love and Isaiah Mosley and Kobe Brown. Other deal is, too, a lot of blocker movers, a lot of mid-post, a lot of elbow stuff. You know he's going to be comfortable setting screens, connecting stuff there. Not 100% Princeton, but some skill set stuff, connective stuff you want from your bigs. But that's the only guy who's who's also very popular uh, in the portal. So popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he, he cut his list to, like, 20, and then Duke's like, oh, yeah, we want to be in, too. So Yeah, then the, then the club opened back up. We were yeah. taking enough people left the club that we could let people in the club. We had a fire marshal allow that. Kadeen was a good fire marshal there, but good player. Um, we'll see what they can do there. But if you ask me on tape, the ones I like, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm a Kadeen Shedrick guy. Yeah. So I I think those are probably the three guys that we're, we're tracking the closest at this point. We still have not had evidence that Shedrick is uh, – and is – gonna make it to campus um iMac is gonna make it to campus we're assuming at some point sharp is probably gonna make it to campus uh but uh those three and then you know if they can get him logged in uh however you say his name um to campus like i i think that's a kid you i would love to look at tim uh where i would love to look at Khalil where but that's that's also yeah their name yeah uh, that uh, it, that doesn't seem like something that Missouri is going to be able to pull off. Uh, but hey, we, we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, but so it is Tuesday night. We delayed this recording by one night because of the national championship game last night. Um, congratulations to the UConn Huskies. Uh, they were fantastic. Uh, I was joking today, like, you know, maybe Dennis Gates, you know, saw UConn run rough shed over the entire NCAA tournament and it's just like, oh, like I need I need two bigs. Um but uh yeah, so it's Tuesday. Uh the rest of the week, what are we what are we watching for? If there's if, if Caleb makes an announcement. If if Caleb makes an announcement. The other thing is the visits are happening this weekend because it's that little four day break in the dead period. So you're gonna maybe see some visits happening this weekend, then we go dead for another week or 10 days after that. Um, the one thing to consider is Missouri, you know, 
really did a lot of its work in mid-April last year. A lot of their commitments came in mid-April. They had a lot of guys come in. I think they had multiple guys in during the dead period last year. And like just a whole host of visitors because we were seeing like, we think we joked that Dennis Gates was just doing his commitment photo shoots back to back to back to back. But that's, there's going to be another break after that. Um, we will see if there's any other outbound traffic at this point. Doesn't seem like there's any that that's, you know, imminent to happen here. But, you know, the next piece I think people are going to watch for is if, when Caleb Love makes a decision, you know, this staff has shown that it's pretty good at, at closing guys down after visits. Does the Fardaz Amic visit go fast enough that he wants, you know, to, to keep looking or does he just decide this is over with? If that happens, then, you know, in an ideal world and, you know, I think fans dream world, by middle of next week or late in, a week from now, you know, or late next week, two slots are filled and, you know, the bulk of the work is done. That Yeah, we, we at least have some clarity. We'll still be kind of, you know, waiting to hear what what Kobe Brown's going to do, what Isaiah Mosley's going to do. I think right now the expectation is both guys will be back in some capacity. But we'll see. Um, there's a there's a draft process that has to happen. Kobe has to go through it, um, and so well, he's got to declare. He's got to put out word that he is going through it. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, he does have to tell people that he's going to go. Um, I would expect, yeah, that announcement probably coming some point soon. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, we are going to be back. It'll probably be me and the other Matt uh, <laughs> um, next next week um we'll just kind of keep alternating you guys until we 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 get some finalized roster we can actually maybe all three of us get together and talk about it uh but make sure that you are subscribed so down below is our uh subscribe button if you're subscribed you get notifications when uh when this video drops uh when future video drops i believe actually right now uh, if not right now then certainly around now uh, Nate and BK are recording their first video podcast. Uh, that's exciting, everybody. Uh, so you'll get all those notifications, and and we will continue to produce under the Rock and Radio banner, uh, Fans First Sports Network, uh, showing the love. Those guys are great. Um, make sure you follow Matt. His Twitter handle is is there. Matt J Harris eighty five. You can follow me at Sam T Snelling. Uh, at Data Mizzou is Matt Watkins. Uh, we're, we're talking portal stuff pretty much all the time. So, so head over there, do all that. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Well, Matt won't. I will. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.